MSW Media. Thanks to Policy Genius for supporting the Daily Beans. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And this episode is sponsored by Mudwater, a coffee alternative with four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs. To get your free frother and free samples of coconut creamer and sweetener, go to mudwtr.com slash daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, October 20th, 2023. Today, the cheese stands alone as Sidney Powell pleads guilty to election interference and agrees to cooperate in the Fulton County DA RICO case. Michigan fraudulent elector James Renner has also pled guilty in the Michigan Attorney General's case. Jim Jordan backs the McHenry temporary speaker deal, then backs out, then says he's running again. And now there's a vote for 10 a.m. this morning uh, after about 20 people who voted against him repeated the fact that they would still vote against him. The New York Attorney General has asked a court for a forensic investigation of Alan Weisselberg's emails. A U.S. Navy warship intercepted drones and missiles from Yemen, and California Senator LaFonza Butler has announced she will not run for the seat in 2024. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, happy Friday. <laughs> Ooh, happy Friday. There was a lot of news today. This was a week, man, but oh, so much good stuff. There's, so, there's more flipping than Pancake House today, which I'm loving this. Yeah. And not just in criminal cases either. Also with Jim Jordan, I couldn't even there was like nine different headlines associated with him just today. I could barely get them all into the intro. But it's it's absolute chaos. Uh, They were working on sort of a, a, I guess, consolidation government where some of the Democrats would agree to give the Speaker pro tem McHenry some power temporarily until January 3rd. But then we were like, yeah, but isn't that just giving Jim Jordan more time to whip votes? Because he wouldn't drop out as the speaker designee. And then Jim Jordan agreed to back the McHenry plan, along with like Newt Gingrich and John Boehner. Uh, And Lee Zeldin was just seen going into Jim Jordan's office a minute ago. But then Jim Jordan met with his 20 holdouts and said, no, you know what? I've decided I'm not going to do the McHenry plan. I'm going to do another vote. But none of the 20 that voted against him uh, flipped to vote for him during this meeting. So he was really mad when he left that meeting. And now we're hearing stories about like representatives who are getting evicted from their office space uh, because their landlord said that they he didn't vote for Jim Jordan. Like, it's just a fucking mess. There's more death threats, um, just all sorts of uh, garbage going on. And of course, Matt Gates is grinning ear to ear because this is by design for him. He's like, eh, it's messy. But you know, he's destroying a branch of the government. So he feels real proud and accomplished. So there will be a vote at 10am this morning. It might have happened already as you listen to this. Um, a third vote and uh, for speaker. And as of the recording of this show, which is Tuesday afternoon, he does not have the votes still. So we'll see. We'll see if we can get him between now and then. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like a real good strategy to kick people out of their offices and threaten their wives and stuff to try to get uh, you, them to vote for you. All I can hear is the Hamilton song. 
<laughs> you ain't got the votes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's going to be a couple of Hamilton references in this show because we've got the room where it happens with Sidney Powell flipping. Oh, um, yeah. We've got all sorts of stuff. But Senator LaFonza Butler, who was appointed to fill the late Dianne Feinstein's seat, has come out and announced that she will not run for the seat in 2024. That leaves it open for the three candidates in California who originally wanted to run for it. Not sure if this is a decision she just made or if this was her plan all along, but she is not running for that seat. So um, there won't be any, you know, I think bad blood or preference or, you know, anything like that. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. And then just to remind everybody, we have a joint happy hour with the cleanup on all 45 crew. Pete and I are hosting Pete Struck. That's tonight at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. So get your questions ready. If you're a patron, sign up if you haven't. Patreon.com slash Miller She Wrote or aisle 45 pod. And we'll see you there. All right. We have... We have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from CNN, former Donald Trump attorney Sidney Powell has pled guilty in the Georgia election subversion case one day before her trial was set to start. Now, as part of her guilty plea, Powell is admitting her role in the January 2021 breach of election systems in rural Coffee County, Georgia. With the help of local GOP officials, a group of Trump supporters accessed and copied information from the county's election systems in hopes of somehow proving that the election was rigged against Trump. Fulton County prosecutors are recommending a sentence of six years probation. Powell will also be required to testify at future trials, write an apology letter to the citizens of Georgia and pay about $9,000 in restitution and fines and turn over all of her documents. Now, of course, if she doesn't do any of that, if she messes anything up, that deal goes away. After the 2020 election, we know Sidney Powell peddled conspiracy theories about purported fraud and false claims about millions of votes being flipped in a global scheme against Trump that involved somehow Venezuela and other foreign powers. Now, she is now the second person in the sprawling racketeering case to plead guilty. Bail bondsman Scott Hall last month pled guilty and agreed to testify at future trials. The other 17, including Trump, have pled not guilty. Powell admitted taking actions after the 2020 election, quote, for the purpose of willfully tampering with electronic ballot markers and tabulating machines and with the intention of taking and appropriating information, data and software, the property of Dominion Voting Systems Corporation. That's according to the new court filing. She is also admitting to hiring data forensics firms and sending its employees to Coffee County so they could unlawfully access government computers with the purpose of, quote, examining personal voter data with knowledge that such examination was without authority. So she's admitting that she did not have permission to access this equipment. Her attorneys had vehemently rejected prosecutors' claims that she orchestrated the breach. They've said at pretrial hearings that the prosecutors are incorrect and that the evidence will show that she was not the driving force behind the incident. Okay. Quote, it's also important to understand there's no such thing as a halfway cooperation. If you're a prosecutor, you would not enter into this deal with Sidney Powell unless you had been thoroughly convinced that A, she's telling the truth, B, she's going to be able to testify for you credibly in the way that you can put in front of a jury and justify she's not going to be splitting hairs. And that's Ellie Honig, right? Former federal prosecutor. Now, I don't know if they'll use her to testify on the stand, but she had to have something of value in order to get all of these felonies knocked down to a misdemeanor and avoid jail time. Uh, only one other Georgia defendant is mentioned by name in Thursday's plea documents, and that's Misty Hampton, who was the Coffee County election supervisor. Powell admits to entering into a criminal conspiracy with her and would be required to testify against her if she goes to trial. Hampton has pled not guilty to seven felonies. 
Now, Powell is an unindicted co-conspirator in the federal election subversion case that special counsel Jack Smith has filed against Trump. That investigation has still been ongoing in recent months and has been continuing to scrutinize Powell. Now, she has not been charged in that case. She's one of those six unindicted co-conspirators. Additionally, Powell is facing massive defamation suits from two voting technology companies who sued her for falsely accusing them of rigging the 2020 election against Donald. The companies, known as Dominion and Smartmatic, filed the lawsuits in 2021, and the cases are still in the pretrial discovery phase. Andy McCabe and I are going to discuss the implications for the federal case on this week's Jack podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about how of a you know, how much of a good witness she'll be in the um, the Fulton County case. And I'll to discuss that with Pete Strzok. So make sure to listen to those other podcasts. Thanks so much, AG. And we're going to stick with this fake elector stuff, but we're heading to Michigan. This is also from Marshall Cohen at CNN. One of the pro-Donald Trump fake electors charged in Michigan has agreed to cooperate with state prosecutors in exchange for getting his case dismissed. James Renner, 76, he's the first defendant to strike a deal with prosecutors. Attorney General Dana Nessel, She's amazing. A Democrat charged the group of 16 fake electors earlier this year. Now, this is the most significant development in the case since Nessel filed the charges in July. She was the first prosecutor in the nation to charge anyone in connection with the Trump-backed fake elector scheme. Well, as part of the deal, Renner agreed to provide, and I quote, complete and truthful testimony whenever called upon by prosecutors at any hearings or trials related to the 2020 fake electors. And that's according to those court filings. This includes describing what happened in the room where he and others signed the sham certificate in December of 2020. Like all other defendants, Renner originally faced eight felony charges, including forgery and conspiracy to publish false statement. Now, if he provides misleading or false testimony at any future cases, prosecutors could refile the felony charges, just like with Sidney. Well, the fake GOP electors tried to subvert the electoral college process in 2020 by signing illegitimate certificates falsely claiming that Trump won the presidential election in the state of Michigan. This was part of the Trump campaign's multi-state effort to overturn the election that he very clearly lost. The remaining 15 defendants include current and former state GOP officials, a Republican National Committee member, a mayor from central Michigan, and a Grand Blanc school board member. They have all pleaded not guilty at this point. Now, court yeah, filings now. <laughs> indicate, yep, for now. Now, court filings indicate that Renner signed this deal with prosecutors on October 10th. Now, it only became public Thursday when Renner appeared at a brief hearing in Ingham County District Court. He said, We are excited for this result. This is from Renner's attorney, Clint Westbrook. He said that at the hearing. Well, a spokesperson for Nestle told CNN in a statement that, We dismissed the case against James Renner under a cooperation agreement. And since this just came out, I would put beans that other people are going to flip because they know that they're given deals. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, Ken Cheesebro has to go to trial. Now, I was, you know, I was watching a little MSNBC. They didn't really mention the Michigan thing. But we, you know, you you said we have to remember she was the first in the nation to indict anybody uh, involved in the fraudulent elector scheme. Uh, that's that's the attorney general, Dana Nessel, who's amazing, like you said. But, you know, Ken Cheesebro, everyone's kind of talking about, is Sidney Powell going to implicate Ken Cheesebro? She might, but they were in different spokes of the conspiracy. That's why he wanted to sever from her, because he said he had nothing to do with her. But his jury selection starts today in his in his speedy trial. Now, yesterday, uh, I should say on Wednesday, he was offered a plea deal and rejected it. And then 
you know, on Thursday, we got the plea deal with Sidney Powell. So I don't know if he's reconsidering or not, but he's, you know, you can you can flip at any time. You don't have to do it before your trial starts, although it's probably easier to do so before beforehand. <laughs> Save you a little uh, money, but, little money. Yeah, little money and time. But we'll see what happens. Uh, all right. Next up from Adam Klasfeld, New York Attorney General Letitia James has sent a letter to Judge Engeron. That's the judge presiding over the Trump Organization civil fraud trial worth $250 million in New York. And this letter is about Weisselberg's testimony this past Friday. You'll remember he got kind of swept off the stand. And, you know, after he said he had nothing to do with Trump's triplex apartment being, you know, only 10,000 square feet when he said it was 33,000 square feet. And he said, I don't, you know, he said he didn't recall like 90 times and he didn't have anything to do with that. And then Dan Alexander from Forbes wrote an article in Forbes that, yes, he fucking did. And I have the emails. (laughs) And got receipts. And so he put that out there. And then we learned that New York Attorney General's office got a hold of those emails, you know, presumably reached out to the Forbes guy and said, can we have those? Well, it looks like what happened now is the New York Attorney General compared those emails to the emails that Weisselberg handed over pursuant to a subpoena and discovery in this case. And said, you know what? Looks like some shit's missing. So she wrote this letter to the judge. Dear Justice Engeron, on behalf of the Office of Attorney General, we write further to the sidebar on Thursday, October 12th, concerning the testimony of Alan Weisselberg. Specifically, OAG asked for an opportunity to follow up on the Forbes article, quote, Trump's longtime CFO lied under oath about the Trump Tower penthouse, unquote, and its discussion of, quote, old emails and notes, some of which the attorney general's office does not possess, unquote. Based on a review of the documents produced by the defendants, OAG has identified likely omissions from production around inquiries from Forbes in 2016. By way of background, in response to OAG subpoenas, defendants produced some documents reflecting ongoing exchanges with Forbes magazine about the valuation of assets during August and September 2016. As part of the process of responding to Forbes's inquiries, Alan Weisselberg obtained information on golf course comparables from Stephen Ekovich and Marcus and Millichap. That's a company. While defendants have produced some of the emails in that exchange, it appears they have not produced a later set of emails between Mr. <laughs> Weisselberg and Mr. Ekovich that were produced by Marcus and Millichap. Hmm. See the attachment. Now, this is not good for Mr. Weisselberg. As the New York Attorney General says, she now wants a forensic investigation of his emails. You usually can't call for that unless you can prove that discovery wasn't fulsome. You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if you can come to the court and say, look, this shit's missing. There's holes in discovery. Then you can order what's called a forensic investigation of his emails. And if she can prove he failed to hand over discovery, he could be sanctioned. Or depending on his intent, he could be. this could be considered obstruction of justice. And of course, Pete and I will discuss the implications on cleanup. But I wanted to give you the full story here. Thank you, A.G. This is from Natasha Bertrand at CNN. A U.S. Navy warship operating in the Middle East intercepted multiple projectiles near the coast of Yemen on Thursday. This is from two U.S. officials. That's what they told CNN. One of the officials said the missiles were fired by Iranian-backed Houthi militants who are engaged in an ongoing conflict in Yemen. Now, approximately two to three missiles were intercepted, and that's according to a second official. 
Later Thursday, Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder confirmed that the USS Kearney shot down three land attack missiles, as well as several drones that were launched by Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen. This is a quote. This action was a demonstration of the integrated air and missile defense architecture that we built in the Middle East and that we are prepared to utilize whenever necessary to protect our partners and our interest in this important region. He said that at a news briefing. And he went on to say there were no casualties to U.S. forces and none that we know of to any civilians on the ground. Ryder said the Pentagon cannot say for certain at this point what the missiles and drones were targeting, but they said they were launched from Yemen and were headed north along the Red Sea, quote, potentially toward targets in Israel. The USS Kearney transited through the Suez Canal into the Red Sea on Wednesday. U.S. Fleet Forces Command said in a social media post that it would help ensure maritime security and stability in the Middle East. Well, the incident was one of a series in recent days with U.S. bases being targeted by drones in Syria and Iraq and been increasing tensions in the region as the war between Israel and Hamas continues. The drone attacks targeting the base in Syria resulted in minor injuries. Again, this is from Ryder. On Wednesday, two drones targeted the Al-Tanf garrison in Syria. That's where U.S. and anti-ISIS coalition forces are based. That's what Ryder said. One drone was engaged and destroyed, and another drone impacted the base, resulting in minor injuries to coalition forces. That same morning in Iraq, early warning systems indicated a possible threat approaching Al-Assad Air Base, where U.S. personnel are stationed. Now, no attack occurred there, but personnel sheltered in place and an American civilian contractor suffered a cardiac episode and died shortly thereafter. Now, on Tuesday, U.S. forces defended against three drones near U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq. Two of the drones targeted the Al-Assad Air Base, which resulted in minor injuries to coalition forces. And in northern Iraq, near Bashur Air Base, U.S. forces engaged and destroyed a drone, resulting in no injuries or damage. This is a quote. While I'm not going to forecast any potential response to these attacks, I will say that we take all necessary actions to defend U.S. and coalition forces against any threat. Any response, should one occur, will come at a time and a manner of our choosing. Now, as whether all these attacks are tied to the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas and and anger in the region over the U.S.'s support of Israel, Ryder said that the U.S. is still assessing the attacks. That was his answer. They said, our focus is going to be continuing to ensure we are deterring a potential broader regional conflict. To that end, Ryder said, Austin held a series of calls with Arab and Israeli leaders, including Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed from the United Arab Emirates, Amir Sheikh Tamim from Qatar, and Prince Khalid bin Salman from Saudi Arabia. The goal was to reiterate U.S. support for Israel and to underscore the importance of safeguarding civilians. He said he emphasizes again that any country or any group thinking of trying to take advantage of the situation in Israel is to try to widen the conflict should think twice and no doubt resolve of the United States. So they are really trying to help this not escalate in the area, but do what they need to to support. Yeah, tamp down extra, you know, continental fighting or intercontinental fighting in the region. I mean, it's everything is so tenuous, uh, which is why we've sent two carrier attack groups to the to the region. So as a, as a message uh, and, you know, don't fuck with the Navy. Um, there's a lot of firepower on those boats. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll continue to keep you posted about what's happening in the region. And uh, we need to take a quick break and we want to get to some good news. If you have any good news, please send it to us. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Uh, We'll do that right after the break. Stick around. 
messages will be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. We all have loved ones that depend on us. And if you're like me, you don't want to leave them to chance. Anything in a worst case scenario, you don't want that to happen, whether it's covering mortgage payments or helping the kids finish college. Nobody wants to leave a financial burden on their family. And sadly, the coverage many of us receive through work just isn't going to be enough. But luckily, Policy Genius makes it easy to find the right policy with their team of licensed experts. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. PolicyGenius knows how precious your time is, and they won't waste a second. With just a few clicks, their technology takes insurance quotes from America's top insurers to find the lowest price for your exact needs. They use licensed, award-winning agents to ensure you get the best deal possible. Their agents work for you, not the insurance companies, so you know they won't favor one insurer over another, and you can trust their guidance as you find your new policy. Policy Genius is simple and easy to use, so it's great for parents, caregivers, or anyone who just has people depending on them. One of the many reasons they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. I used Policy Genius to find the policy I use to help protect those who rely on me. I trust them, and so can you. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. And let me tell you about Mud Water, my new favorite thing, an easy alternative to your daily coffee. It is a signature blend and it incorporates four functional mushrooms featuring the distinct Reese Cacao flavor, creating a unique and pleasant taste experience. Mud Water is low in caffeine, but it still offers a stable energy boost without the jitters or crashes often associated with traditional coffee. The blend's ingredients include cacao and chai. Uh, they're selected for flavor and their mood-enhancing properties. It has lion's mane for focus, cordyceps for energy, plus chaga and reishi for immune support. Mud Water is Whole30 approved, 100% USDA organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, kosher, it's everything. And it's got no added sugars or artificial sweeteners. It is perfect for health-conscious consumers like myself. I recently gave Mudwater's Morning Ritual Starter Kit a try. I was immediately impressed because it comes with a USB rechargeable frother, which I love, and a guidebook, as well as the Reese Cacao Blend, a unique mixture that offers the flavorful combination of masala chai and cacao. With each drink, I noticed a boost in my energy and focus without the typical jitters or crashes from coffee. The kit is a great way to move away from coffee and towards something much better. To get your free frother and free samples of coconut creamer and sweetener, go to Mudwater. That's M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash Daily Beans. That's free samples and frother when you go to M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have good news, confessions, corrections, a what the mutt you would like to play with us where we guess what breeds your rescue pupper is, or a find the cat because they like to hide, or what the heck wine because for some reason I can guess horse breeds better than dog breeds, okay. Uh, or you want to play opine on the bovine, I know one breed of cow. So if you have that one, you can send it to me and I will get it right. I think there's um, also a black Angus, so maybe we should add two breeds of cows. Because isn't that a real breed? Is a black Angus a real breed of cow? I don't know. I know there's some kind of heifers, <laughs> too. I, you know, I really don't know. I just don't know too much about cows. You know, I had a bunch of friends All right, in 4-H. Moving but, on. Oh. Did you, did you get, no? Okay. Okay. 
Oh, goodness <laughs> sakes. Hey, listen, I got in trouble from a Stephanie Miller uh, listener that I dropped that joke on the radio, so I wasn't about to drop it here. Let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> shout out to our friend Devin Nunez's cow, by the way. Uh, also, right. shout out to yourself. Shout out to a loved one. Shit kids say, shit you say. If you want to have a shout out to a small business in your area that could use some support, um, or a charity, or if you have a candidate you really want to tell us about that's local and running in your area, because all local poli- all politics are local. Um, or let's see, what else? Frog orgies, baby pictures, yeah. whatever you want to send to us, send it to us. Uh, theses and yeah. dissertations, you can send it to us all at dailybeanspod.com and click uncontact. Okay, before you get started, I have to correct myself because you're about to read the first submission and I'm losing my damn mind. It was a listener from yesterday and they're sending in a comedy correction. So it wasn't Stephanie Miller. It was the Daily Beans and you're about to read it. Ready? Go. Okay. (laughs) It's Friday. I'm losing my ever-loving mind. From Uncle Fred from Boca, pronouns he and him. Dearest BQs, that's us. I'm compelled to report a comedy misdemeanor. Yesterday, Dana referenced loser Devin Nunez trying to sue a cow. Okay, that was funny. Shortly thereafter, she used the phrase the move, which, according to comedy law, should have been pronounced the move. <laughs> Acceptable additions would have been Allison's <laughs> lowest quietly in touch of a cowbell. Uh, look, <laughs> look, you just did it. That's so great. It's a tough world out there, kids. We, we can't just leave unused jokes like that lying on the floor. Letting you off with a warning this time. For reals, love my beansies. You guys are chronicling the daily shit show with just enough fucks to make it bearable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And bless you both for bringing it every day. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Comedy yeah, sometimes law. I drop them. Yeah, there's probably some out there. Some dude made it up. All right. Chicago's third most humble living legend wishes to remain anonymous, but his pronouns are he and man. Are he man? Okay. So today is my alive day, October 18th, 1985. I was a freshman at Boston College when a freak accident ended with me trapped for 30 minutes under wheels of a trolley car, also known as a light rail vehicle. Well, it turns out that they're quite heavy, and I am still here 38 years later thanks to fast-acting first responders, including a crane operator who lifted the T off me and several teams of doctors and nurses at Brigham and Women's Hospital who kept me alive as I used up the hospital supply of my blood type and 100 pints of blood in total while I was fading in and out on the operating table. My God, I'm so glad you're still with us. 15 years later, October 18th happened to be the same day as opening ceremonies for the 2000 Sydney Paralympic Games, my third time after Barcelona and Atlanta. I played sitting volleyball for Team USA one more time in Athens 2004, oh my god, and played wheelchair tennis in Beijing for my fifth and final Paralympic Games in 2008. I now teach tennis in my hometown. I save time in the summer for my wheelchair softball team, the two-time world champion Chicago Cubs. By the way, this is 56-year-old Fart, won all-tournament MVP in D2 and batted 850, going 17 for 20. I'm so blown away by this whole fucking story. As you can tell, my voice keeps getting higher. Going <laughs> The physical education major in you is like freaking the fuck out right now. And I love the it. The human being in me is like, this is fucking awesome. Going 17 for 20 as we went six for two in eight games. Anyway, you know, I will always say life is good. It beats the alternative. 
at least as far as I know. You are a fucking badass. This is, uh, first of all, it's just fucking cool. Like everything that you've done. And I'm just so, I'm so impressed with you. One, I'm glad you're alive and not just alive. You're a badass Olympian. Anonymous in Chicago. Fuck yeah. Legend. I know. I might be hot on a microphone too. I'm very excited about this story. (laughs) (laughs) This is just truly incredible. Thank you for sending this in and happy Alive Day a couple days ago. I know it's a little belated. Oh, so cool. There's a photo. Badass. Whew. We have Olympians in our midst. I love it. It's incredible. Next up, Jeanette, pronoun she and her. Hello, this is Whiskey. I walk him and his sister every morning while listening to the Daily Beans and Jack and clean up on all 45. You are the best. Whiskey came to live with us when I saw his photo online. Look at those eyes. We could not resist. He was very underweight, full of worms, recovering from fleas and ticks and Lyme disease, and the best boy you can imagine. Whiskey also has a limp, and the rescue thought he needed hip surgery, so nobody wanted him. We brought him home, took him to our vet, and found out he'd been hit by a car, probably, and had numerous trauma injuries, but surgery wouldn't fix them. He's now 85 pounds and has helped our puppy mill dropout recover from years of trauma caused by being a mill mama. Please don't buy puppies from disreputable breeders. Look at this beautiful king oh, wow. of a doggo. He's so distinguished. Yes, with, he is. With his gray whiskers and his eyebrows. But yeah, those eyes, you're right. Can't resist those eyes. I want to hug this dog. Look at the second picture. Ah, heckin', you give me a heart scare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you oh, think he my is? God. What do you oh think? My goodness, is? German um, Shepherd for I think sure. There's some. There's maybe some Bernice Mountain Dog in there. Maybe, maybe a little Mastiff. or a Saint Bernard. Yeah. Oh, Mastiff. Yep. 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 Yeah. And if it's you know, he's got a very like Saint Bernard muzzle, like you said, or you know, Pyrenees, Newfoundland, whatever that that whole group, Burmese Mountain Dog. So maybe one of those. And Chow Chow. For sure. All right. Let's see. German Shepherd. Ooh, <laughs> Great Pyrenees. Yay. Bloodhound. We call him Hubert oh. when he howls as a nod to best in oh. show. <laughs> Love it. And Mountain Cur, of course, the one that, that I always forget. But thank you for that. Oh, what a beautiful course. pupper. All right. This is from Scott. Pronounce he and him. Dear Suzerains of the Soy. Thanks so much for your delivery of the news and with sanity and humor. Also for your daily reminders that there is good news out there, news worth celebrating. My dissertation title, The Amplitude Modulation Following Response as an Auto Audiometric excuse me, audiometric tool. Let me say it again. The amplitude modulation following response is an audiometric tool. Now, after hearing several of your submissions so far, I think maybe I should have gone for a more convoluted title. Apparently not if I'm reading your submission. You're doing just fine, Scott. Now, as pod pet tags, here's my grand dog, Charlie, on his gotcha day and on the two-year anniversary of same. He is smart and sweet, just like his mom, and he's clearly part shepherd and less clearly part Armenian gampf. Gamper, what is that? I don't even know what an Armedium Gamper is. But he's Gamper. beautiful. Yes. Look how gorgeous. Is that the same bunny? Is that the same stuffed so. animal? Oh my God, so cute. Hey G, why don't I take this short one? Because the end the last the other one's yours to end it out and it's it's a little bit longer. Sure. All right. This one's from Karen from I love when I make the rules and you're like, yeah, go 
ahead. This one's from Karen from Boston. No pronouns on Karen. Hi, Beans Queens. My graduate thesis title seems so plain compared to your other listeners. It was titled The American-Canadian Broadcast Border Dispute. Boom. Yes, there was a period of time where our polite neighbors to the north were quite mad at us for spreading our media across the border, and they accused us of cultural imperialism. I'm actually surprised that's a past tense statement. Mm, Yeah. I, I'm still mad at us for sending our media north of the border. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, thanks, Karen from Boston. Next up, Paul, he and him. Hey, Allison and Dana. Last time I wrote was three years ago. Have we been doing this that long? Oh, my God, we have. August 2020 yeah. is when I think we wow. started doing this together. I was on the tail end of my physical recovery from a motorcycle accident, which took about a year. I lost my job after the accident and decided not to return to that field or the private sector. I had written in to tell you I just accepted an entry-level position at a nonprofit substance abuse treatment center and at the ripe age of 42 was starting school for my certification as a drug and alcohol counselor. I remember this, Paul. In addition to school, I've had the opportunity to work as a full-time counselor with teens and adults suffering from addiction, mental health issues, and homelessness. Most are justice involved and have served time or were about to go to prison. It's been humbling and at times heartbreaking work, especially with the fentanyl crisis. Earlier this year, I was promoted to lead counselor at a new outpatient program for transitional aged youth. I got to help build the program, sometimes literally. We have a yoga room, a salt room with massage chairs, a full kitchen and a music room. I love all that supplemental therapy. I got to pick out all the instruments, gear and some recording equipment. Exposing clients to these types of activities can help tremendously with treatment. It's been a rewarding project for a population with very specific needs. Last month, I passed my certification exam as a counselor, and yesterday, I received my official credentials. It represents three years of classes, thousands of supervised hours, and a ton of on-the-job learning. Coincidentally, it was also announced yesterday in a large meeting with all three programs I've worked with over that time that I'll be going back to the adult program I started with as the program manager. This is a huge jump from where I started three years ago. Switching careers and going back to school after my accident was challenging. But today it feels like the work has paid off. I'm currently working toward a sociology degree, hopefully a master's in social work after that. Great. You can send us your thesis title to say I'm grateful to have recovered from my injuries and found a new career with meaning would be an understatement for pod pet tax. I've included a pic of one of our dogs, Wookie. On top of everything else, yesterday was also the 12-year anniversary of the day we rescued him. Despite his size and age, he's still jogging with me in the mornings. Much love to everyone at the Daily Beans, Cleanup, and Jack Podcasts. And I hope to see you around the San Diego comedy scene sooner than later. Wow. Mm. What a beautiful pupper. And what a great story. Paul. Paul. I think I know which Paul this is, by the way. Yeah. From the San Diego comedy scene. And I'm just so incredibly proud of everything that you've done in the past three years. That's so brilliant. Good job, Paul. I know. Indeed. I know, Paul. I've done, I've done, I, if this is the Paul I'm thinking it, it is, then I've done shows with Paul and I've met Paul. That's very cool. It's nice yeah. to be connected and you don't even have to say it. You just know. You're like, I know this guy. I know. Look this at guy. the, look at the soul in this dog's eyes. I know. It's like the other dog. What was the other dog's name? Like the, the one that had Pyrenees in him? Whiskey. Yeah. Look at that beautiful You're like, baby. you used to be somebody. You still are. Yep. <laughs> 
Great job, Paul. Thanks to everybody for sending in your good news. Please send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Don't forget, 4 p.m. today, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, happy hour with Pete Strzok. You can ask him questions, but I can't promise he'll be able to answer them. (laughs) 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 And uh, we'll have the bonus episode of The Beans this weekend, bonus episode of Cleanup for the patrons. Man, you patrons, you get a lot of bonus episodes. I'm jealous. Um, We'll have Jack on Sunday, and then Dana and I will be back in your ears on Monday. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today for the weekend, my friend? Not to crush your dreams. Unfortunately, I won't be back with you Monday. I'm going out of the country for work, but I will be gone this. Remember, I'll be gone this week, so I'm going to miss you all and all the listeners. Uh, but I'll be back the following at no. some at some point. At no. some point, no, you're not going to let me leave. Are You'll you? be here I all have week. To. Okay, <laughs> nope. then I need you to record. I need you to record at 9 a.m. every day. Okay, we'll do like a postal service thing, right? Where I'll record and send you the tracks, <laughs> and then you. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> You got, everyone's going to be like, are Dana and Allison mad at each other? They're not bantering at all on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they seem so dry and out of touch. Oh, oh. No. That's right. Well, please enjoy your travel. Please be safe. And thanks for doing all the work you're doing. And thanks to everybody listening to the shows. You guys make you, this like this whole thing means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be back in your ears on Monday. <laughs> And until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, take care of your family. But blue over Q. Take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.